Your hosts are here, Sammy and Michelle. By the end of this podcast, you'll know them well. Adulting, navigating the journey of life. Careers to relationships, pain and strife. Put down the rule book. Rethink the status quo. If there's another direction you want to go, find purpose, passion and mastery in all that you do. With Status Post Adulting. Hey, Status Post Adulting fam, this is Sammy and Michelle. And you're listening to the 12th episode of Status Post Adulting, where we're going to be talking about minimalism. But first, let me check in with my co-host, Michelle. Michelle, how are you doing? I'm good. Correction to last week, I do not have a gap in my health insurance, I realized. So yeah, that was a a nice, pleasant surprise that I found out this week. Small win for me, but Sam, you had a really exciting week. That's right, Michelle. I did have an exciting week this week because my podcast interview with Bigger Pockets Money did launch this week. I am a huge fan of the podcast Bigger Pockets Money. I'm a huge fan of Mindy and Scott, the hosts of the podcast. Literally, I've listened to every single episode and there are hundreds. So the opportunity to get to speak with them about my finances and have them give me tips was amazing. Yeah, BTS behind the scenes for Sammy is her fangirling, getting really obsessed and focused and preparing for this interview in a way that very on brand for Sammy, but she was definitely really excited about it. I was super excited, Michelle. And I thought you were going to talk about BTS, the Korean boy band. (laughs) 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 What I really liked is they started off the interview saying that I'm single and I don't have kids and I'm planning on staying that way. And there was literally no further discussion about it. I mean, there are a lot of males in the financial independence community who are on the same trajectory who don't get a lot of questions about it. But I do feel like oftentimes females will get the third degree about why don't you want to get married? Why don't you want to have kids? Are you sure? You might regret it. To have it be a one sentence in the beginning that wasn't even talked about afterwards was so refreshing. What's more, Sammy, listening to it, I thought they gave you really good advice that I was able to take away from as well. It definitely got me thinking about things that I had sort of thought about maybe like a little, but I think it really sparked some good conversations for us. Definitely, Michelle. I loved our conversation about real estate investing. That's something I want to get into in the future. And they gave me some tips about, you know, how to think about that timeline, the things that I should be doing regularly today to prepare for that. It just kind of inspired me also to like read more books about real estate investing and get really into the weeds so that I could be prepared when I plan on investing in a few years. And not just that, I also got to talk about public service loan forgiveness. That's related to my student loans. It's something I know an abnormally lot about because it's relevant to my life. But it was exciting to kind of share that. And um, a lot of people express like gratitude for hearing about that. So I really appreciated that. Yes, I mean, I think that was a helpful conversation for everybody involved. So we'll make sure to link to the Bigger Pockets Money episode in our show notes and let us know what you think if you have any questions or if there's any topics that Sammy might talk about that you think would be interesting if we dig a little bit deeper into. Yeah. And did you know that doctors make the most amount of money on circumcisions? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more, Sammy. It's the only procedure where they can get tips (laughs) no it's the only procedure where they can collect tips (laughs) well i can't believe that joke i got it was that was my joke that i caught from the podcast and i just really want to share it somewhere it was (laughs) r-rated anyways let's cut to the chase no pun intended Today, we're going to be talking about minimalism. Sorry, Sorry, Sammy. I was thinking about when you were telling my mom and me that joke. (laughs) 
And she called us and she's like, oh, do you, do you know that doctors make the most money on circumcisions? And then the phone froze. <laughs> and so my mom went on this little tangent where we're like, oh, that's which is a whole tangent about how circum- there's so much money to be made in circumcision. And then all of a sudden, Sammy comes back on <laughs> and she hits us with a punchline and we're like, oh. <laughs> Anyway, Michelle, that information was as redundant as a preface. <laughs> what? Preface like the foreskin. <laughs> okay, Sammy, now this is getting too technical for me. Anyway, yes. So today we are talking about minimalism. And Michelle, how would you describe minimalism? Having less things. Excellent, <laughs> excellent description, Michelle. <laughs> and min- minimalists, you know, a lot of people break them down into different types. There's aesthetic minimalists. Those are people who really care about that really clean and simple look. There's sustainable minimalists who are more into minimalism because they want to reduce waste. Then there's thrifty minimalists who are in it for the frugality aspect of the minimalism. All different types of minimalists. Most people, it's not like they fit into one category that will definitely overlap as well. Yeah, Sammy, I think that there are different minimalist concepts that I really like and have applied to my life over the years, but truly, you are textbook minimalist. Sam minimalist. Yes, I was a minimalist from a young age, and I think this was in a response to my parents having a lot of belongings. Some people, Sammy, would call them hoarders. Some people may call them hoarders, Michelle, correct. But the truth is, you know, they grew up in an environment with a lot of scarcity. And we see this with a lot of immigrant families, that they want to keep things just in case they'll need them in the future. And because having things in the past was not always easy. Yes, Amy. I think about our aunt, my dad's oldest sister, and just like opening her drawer and there being one million condiments (laughs) saved, which probably expired from like 20 years ago. But she was literally the type of person to have like cash under her mattress because she had lived in this life where you keep the things that you can keep. Undoubtedly, Michelle. And I think we all have a tendency to kind of form a binary of people who are hoarders and other people who are minimalists. And the truth is, there is a broad spectrum. Also, people might be hoarders in some aspects of their life and super minimalists in other aspects of their life. So it's not like anybody can be easily put into a box. Even our parents, when I do try to tidy up their rooms and get rid of their stuff, maybe part of them doesn't like it, but then I think part of them also really enjoys it. And Sammy, you've come a long way from when you used to hold their things hostage (laughs) and say, if you can tell me what's missing, I'll get it back to you, (laughs) to where you are now, which is meeting them where they're at. And I think one of the reasons that we want to talk about minimalism is because even though at its core it is maybe having less things, it's really about intentional living and having the things in your life that are important to you. Exactly, Michelle. I think one of the big players in the minimalism space is Marie Kondo. She really took minimalism to another level. She wrote the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Both me and Michelle read that book and we love it. Marie was a child like me who loved to tidy up and get rid of everybody's things and maybe felt a little bit of resentment that there was so much mess around other people. Marie Kondo, like Sammy, was a minimalist dictator. Yes, me and Marie were both minimalist dictator children. (laughs) And it was funny when I was reading the book, I'm like, oh my God, there was another child like me. 
Sammy felt very seen. I felt so seen. It's funny because she talks about how she realized that she really just needs to focus on being a minimalist in her own space and not try to change people. Because when you change your own space, other people may be inspired to change their space as well. Absolutely, Sammy. And for anyone not familiar with Marie Kondo's work, her baseline concept is really looking at the material goods and the things that you have in your life and asking yourself, does this bring me joy? And for me, that was a really big shift in my mentality when it came to looking at my things. Quite frankly, I didn't actually pick up Marie Kondo's book the first time. Sammy forgot her headphones while we were on a plane. (laughs) And so we just shared mine and read her book because she's the oldest sibling. (laughs) And I thought I was going to fall asleep. But, But when I heard that concept of picking things up and really taking a second and thinking, okay, how has this item brought me joy in the past? What have I learned from this? And does it still bring me joy? That gave me the ability to go to something like my closet where I felt a lot of guilt when it came to expensive clothing that I bought clothes that I bought that was cute but I never actually ended up wearing or whatever it was like shirts that I've had for a long time and felt like I should still keep I was able to approach my closet look at some of those things and say hey thank you white t-shirt that I can't keep clean thank you for bringing me joy (laughs) I learned to appreciate what I bought I appreciate my things and also learned that I could separate from them I really shifted from guilt to gratitude I could say thank you for bringing me joy and put it in my donate pile. Yeah, Michelle. Marie's method is different than other methods where you just get rid of things that you don't need. She actually asks you to take out everything and then pick up everything individually, hold it in your hands, ask if it brings you joy, and then only put it back if it does. And I, like you, really appreciate the gratitude aspect of her exercise because it also helps us learn, you know, where did we go wrong when we purchased that item? Maybe I bought something because I thought it was really going to be cute. But the truth is, 90% of the time when I go into my closet, I'm looking for something comfortable. And just appreciating that, it prevents you from going into the store and making more mistakes in the future. I really think that without getting rid of your clothes, you're going to be in the same cycle of buying things that you don't need. Without a doubt, Sammy. I think another major thing for me too was we have moved a good handful of times now in the past few years. Most recently, I moved to Austin after we separated from our apartment and then I moved back to California. When you have to get rid of a lot of things, essentially everything, you really start to learn what you really value and what's important to you because you also see the real cost of everything and you see how difficult it is to get rid of. That's so true, Michelle, especially the real cost because I think a lot of times when we're buying like coffee tables or mirrors or end tables, all the things, we can kind of in our mind justifying paying exorbitant amounts for these things. But at the end of the day, when you're trying to sell it on Craigslist, a coffee table goes for $50 whether you bought it for Crate and Barrel or you bought it from Ikea. The truth is nobody's looking to buy a coffee table that's hundreds of dollars. And knowing that really helps you appreciate the true value of things. You know, in a way, the stores convince us that things should be more expensive than they are, but we all know in our hearts how much those things should cost. Exactly, Sammy. And one of the nice things too, when you are downsizing or you're getting rid of things, is that you have the opportunity to connect with the greater community. When we we were moving from our apartment in San Francisco. Sammy suggested that we do a garage sale, which San Francisco is a, a good bit of a 
a wild city and (laughs) we can't even put our garbage out too early without it getting sprinkled all over the street. So I actually thought it was illegal and didn't want to do it. Turns out it's not. So Sammy won that fight, but it actually was a really cool experience. We had so many of our neighbors and people passing through stop by and we were just trying to get rid of everything. So we'd sell it for whatever. And it was a really nice time to connect with our community. I was like, man, I wish I could do a garage sale every time I moved to a new place because it's the best way to get to know your neighbors. That's so true, Michelle. And it was so fun. And we did even make $300. So I would say garage sale success story. In general, I feel like when you are minimalist, you do get to connect with your community more because you have less things. So sometimes you depend on the community more, but in a good way. For example, I know the Berkeley Library has a tool rental center. So that's kind of cool. If you are someone who likes to do handiwork, but not all the time, you can go there and rent tools. In general, libraries have tons of resources. Yeah, like books. They have books. <laughs> they are, San Francisco Library has Wi-Fi hotspots that you can rent out. And just going to those places frequently, you end up meeting a lot of people in your community too. Yeah, it's true, Sammy. I think that a lot of times, I know I will buy something instead of borrowing it, which sometimes if you need it once, maybe you can reach out to your neighbors or people that you know and say, hey, I need to drill one hole. Do you think I could hit you up for that drill? And it teaches you to respect other people's things and it teaches you that they can ask you to borrow things as well. Exactly, Michelle. And one cool thing when you were moving from Austin, there was an app called Good Use where you could put your things up to give to people for free. And that was a cool way to meet people around your city. Yeah, and honestly, Sammy and I have been in the situation where we had to use junk removal services to get rid of just like a lot of stuff before. And that actually cost money, which is like such a crazy thing where you're like, I spent so much money on all this stuff. Some of it doesn't even mean that much to me and now I'm paying to get rid of it which depending on the services you use sometimes they're eco-friendly but really one of the nicest things is be able to connect with people who actually you know want to use that stuff and will find value in it exactly Michelle I think one of the parts that I hate about getting rid of things that I don't need or just realizing that I have something that I bought that I don't need is the idea that that thing is now gonna go out into the environment and do harm I don't think anybody wants to be living in such excess that they're contaminating the planet yeah we already have one garbage island sammy (laughs) and nobody's vacationing on it so i think we can all definitely do more so sammy let's say that you are listening to this amazing podcast and you're thinking hey like are there different ways that i can live a more minimalistic lifestyle what sort of suggestions come to mind so glad you asked number one read marie kondo's book the life-changing magic of tidying up because that will set you free there's a documentary and stuff too if you'd rather just do that oh okay visual media that's fine um (laughs) i just cried watching the trailer (laughs) (laughs) now that i don't watch any visual media when i do see it i pretty much always cry (laughs) it's pretty embarrassing but michelle yeah one big thing i think a big area for most people as far as hoarding or having too much stuff goes is the wardrobe and i think for me a big part of cutting down down the clothes was doing a capsule wardrobe. Sammy, what's a capsule wardrobe? So glad you asked, Michelle. (laughs) Capsule wardrobes, they're wardrobes where you intentionally buy things that are of similar style, similar color, so that most of the pieces will get along with each other. And it's not like you have a bunch of individual clothes. You have outfits that work together. So it's just easier to pick out your clothes in the morning. Sammy, I have to say that that was one thing that when you started to do it and you started to focus on certain colors to keep in your wardrobe, I started to adopt as well. And it has been such a lifesaver. 
One, it helps with decision fatigue in the morning when I'm trying to get ready. If most of your clothes fall under a certain color scheme, you can really mix and match whatever you need to. And then also, a lot of times when I'm at the store, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I really want this. And then I'll be like, oh, you know what? Sparkly pink is not in my capsule. (laughs) And it just makes it easier to take things out. And a lot of that, when I was going through my wardrobe the first time, I realized like there are certain colors I don't wear. I don't wear anything that I have to iron. (laughs) So now I don't buy things that I have to iron. But little things like that. Yeah, Michelle. And I think as you go through your wardrobe over and over again, you can see what kind of things you actually wear. One big thing for me is I find that I 90% of the time here in the Bay Area like to wear comfortable clothes. I like to wear like sweatpants, leggings, athleisure. When I buy these like really cute outfits, that's going to be worn like once a quarter. So true, Sammy. Another big thing for me too when it comes to wardrobe is I realize that sometimes I do know right away after I bring something home that I don't like it, but I'm so terrible about returning things on time. So now I only shop at places that have a very generous return policy because for me, sometimes I still have the tag on it three months later. And then if I can go back and say, hey, like I need to return this, that's so much easier for me. But some places that I go to, I'll be like, oh, maybe I should buy this. Maybe I shouldn't. But they have like a terrible return policy. I know that doesn't work for me. I do think this is something genius that you started doing, Michelle, and I copied. Now I just buy the clothes, keep all the receipts. I have a receipt photo album. And if needed, I can return anything that needs to be returned. In line, Sammy, with keeping things like your receipts online, I know that something you do and something that's really helpful is to keep any important documents or any mail that you have that's important in a box, a Dropbox, a Google Drive, whatever it is, keeping some of your documents in the cloud, just like scanning it and keeping it there. Or if you're not a big scanner like me, I try to go through my mail, which is like the most painful thing in the world to me. I hate mail, but I go through my mail and I have a binder with all my important papers. So that way, I have to make a decision. Is this piece of paper worth keeping and it goes in the binder? Or is it something that I can comfortably throw away? That's a great point, Michelle. And another big area which I feel like can be tricky is materials related to hobbies. For example, if you start watercolor painting or skiing, a lot of those things come with a bunch of material goods. Yeah, Sammy, I did try to pick up paint by numbers during the (laughs) pandemic, okay? (laughs) I really was exploring different uh, aspects of myself while I was alone all the time. (laughs) I think what's good, Michelle, is maybe if you're just starting out, maybe try borrowing it or doing a cheaper version or a used version to see if it's something that you actually keep up with. Because hobbies are often something that we start to try and we find that maybe that's not something that we actually enjoy and then we discontinue. Yeah, Sammy, like when I was moving back, I think also sometimes it's okay to try things and then at the same time, pick up your unpainted watercolors (laughs) and say, okay, this no longer brings me joy. I'm going to let it go instead of carting it across the country with me. In addition, Michelle, I think this would be a big place where time tracking could be helpful. Me and Michelle are huge fans of tracking our time. We use this app called Now and Then. Anytime you're doing something, you just put it on the time tracker. And after, you know, a few days a week, you're going to have a good idea of where your time's going. And I think before deciding to embark on a hobby, it's a good idea to track your time to see if that's something that you can really add to your schedule. Obviously, Sammy, especially before the pandemic, I definitely didn't have any extra time. But the pandemic did open up a lot of time for me afterwards to be like, okay, now I can maybe pick up some of those hobbies that I was thinking about. But that's a lot more intentional than when I'm standing at the store and I'm like, you know what? I should really get into magic tricks. (laughs) Sometimes you don't need to keep collecting things. Or juggling. I remember Michelle was really into trying to get into juggling. Never happened, but did buy the juggling balls. I'm, I'm a pretty good juggler, actually. 
Oh, my bad. Okay. Michelle can juggle people. I, I can juggle two balls. <laughs> you should see me with oranges. And another thing, Michelle, that can be helpful as far as avoiding accumulating things is not purchasing things the moment they go to your mind. Because now with Amazon online shopping, you can literally think of an item and then purchase it in that second with one-click purchasing. But instead, me and Michelle, we both usually like write it on a list and wait a few weeks to see if we still want to keep it. If it's still something we want to buy after two to three weeks, then maybe it's worth purchasing then. On the contrary, Sammy, I really only give myself 24 to 48 hours and it turns out that's <laughs> all the amount of time I need to control my impulse uh, shopping. Because a lot of times I really, really, really think I need something and then after sleeping on it, I just realized that that was an impulse purchase. Exactly, Michelle. Another tip, never enter Target. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I try to avoid Target as much as possible. Those are our tips for starting to think about living a more minimalistic life. Sammy, I think that for me, my adulting versus status post-adulting is adulting. Impulse buying things that you can only return within two weeks for store credit versus shopping, if you know me, pretty exclusively at stores that have unlimited return policies. That's actually a great adulting versus status post-adulting. And I would add my receipt photo album to my status post-adulting because I just love it. And every time I look at it, it brings me joy. Minimalism, it's not a one-day thing. By looking at your things, removing the things that you don't need, and constantly reevaluating, you're constantly learning about yourself, what you like, and what you actually need. I do think a big part of minimalism is being comfortable with your authentic self. I know it seems a little far-fetched, but if you really know who you are, you really know the things that you like, it's easy to get rid of stuff that you don't need. I think sometimes when we're trying to impress other people or trying to fit in with other people, we can purchase things that we want to have just to project an image to other people. But once we really, really know ourselves, we can just purchase the things that we actually just need for ourselves. Beyond that, Sammy, there is this idea we hold sometimes that if we reduce the number of things in our life or if we prevent ourselves from buying more things, that we're living in scarcity. There can be this mental block that scarcity equals unhappiness or it means that you yourself don't have worth because you don't have the same things that other people have. That's so true, Michelle. I think we perceive that we'll be living in scarcity, but in truth, when we require less things to be happy, we can feel abundance in so many different circumstances. In reality, scarcity is requiring so many things that you need so many things to be happy. Like only those particular situations will make you feel fulfilled or happy. And that's a wrap for today's episode on minimalism. Definitely follow us on Instagram at statuspostadulting or you can email us with any questions or ideas for future episodes at statuspostadulting at gmail.com and be sure to join us next week as we put down the rule book and rethink the status quo.